Jesus, there is nothing greater, there is nothing 
Good, good morning. How's everyone? Awesome. Are you ready to worship the Lord this morning? Amen. He is good and he's worthy to be praised. We're going to celebrate him and bring all of our cares to him this morning. It's great to be gathered together, whether it's in person or online, um, to sing the praises of our King and Master. So, The Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And we have to be reminded that no matter what's happening, that there's also a spiritual war going on. And, and that if we understand that really everything has a spiritual implication. Um, yeah, there's there's physical things that happen. I mean, you know, if you're working and, and your equipment breaks down, that's a physical thing. But even in that, there's a spiritual implication. And uh, the first song we're going to sing this morning is uh, The Battle Belongs. It's the Battle Belongs to the Lord. It's not um, our battle to fight. We can go to him in prayer. Sometimes it's just even wisdom. I love hearing the testimonies of when something goes goes awry in someone's life. Um, you know, maybe, and, and I'm thinking like the car breaks down or, or something physical that you, you wouldn't think about praying to fix necessarily. Um, but but that, that those who've, who've said, Lord, help me, and God has, has given this little bit of wisdom, even like, I, I mean, I've had uh, a buddy, he worked on cars, and he said all the time he'd be like, Lord, I don't know, what, what am I supposed to do? And he'd feel like he was supposed to look over there and like, oh, look, there, there's the bolt or there's whatever. Even in that, the battle belongs. So we're going to, um, whatever you're going through this morning, we want to give it to him and uh, realize that in him is the victory. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity again to gather, to worship you, and to, to be together as the body of Christ. We pray that you would bless our time. Lord, help us to um, cause us to be able to worship freely and in spirit and in truth. Bind our hearts together, God. We thank you for all those that are online, uh, the part of the body who's traveling, and we thank God that, that we thank you, Lord, that people are able to travel again and, and see family. And We just pray um, your presence upon us, your blessings upon us, and uh, turn our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We worship, you can stand, you can sit, you can dance, you can wave your hands, just don't hit anybody in the face. Amen. Amen. You know, we've had people wave flags here, and that is okay. We just, you know, if there's a big flag, you gotta duck a lot. So we just keep your flag smaller and we'll 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 do banners. We'll just because it's about celebrating him. Amen. All I see is the battle, you see the victory, and all I see is the mountain, you see the mountain, and as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am saved. 
at your feet I'll sing through the
God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus for us. He truly is our reward. Christ is my reward in all of my devotion. Now there's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy.
say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God, as we sing that song, I know it's true that nothing else will do. God, I need you. We need you. More and more each day as we realize how lost, how needy we are. God, as we realize how broken we are, as how broken the people is, are around us, how broken the world is, God, we need you in every area of our life. We need you as parents, employees, as spouses, as bosses, we need you in every part of our life. We invite you in. We don't want to hold anything back. Nothing else will do. We just want you. In Jesus' name, amen. It was easy this morning, getting that off, finally. <laughs> Good morning, Journey Church. How's everyone doing? Hey. Hey, if you're joining us for the first time, we're so excited to have you guys with us. We would love to get connected with you. Oh, there goes the echo. Um, <laughs> one way that you can get connected is in the pockets of the chairs. There's connection cards, or you may have gotten a welcome packet when you got here. And you can fill out the connection card and put them in the tithe and offering boxes in the back of the building here. Um, by the way, junior high and high school is meeting in the cafe. So if you guys want to go back and meet with Aiden, they are going to be going over some stuff. So you're welcome to do that. Um, speaking of the cafe, the we finished the remodel for the most part. And so, yeah, woo! Thank you so much, everybody that had a part to play in that. 
Um, and so the cafe is up and running. And for those of you that don't know, um, it's the Illuminate Youth Group Cafe. So all the funds that we get from that um, go straight back to the youth. And so we've got like, I mean, it's like legit drinks. It's not just like a Keurig. Yeah, see? <laughs> so we've got iced lattes. We've got hot lattes, cappuccinos. We've even got breakfast sandwiches. Now, that's not as legit. We just put that in the microwave. But... Um, <laughs> But if you want to support the youth and come a little bit early on Sunday mornings, you can come get some uh, drinks and some uh, something to eat for breakfast. And then um, and in another announcement, we, um, we every year do a big yard sale to raise money for Illuminate Youth Group. Now, we've done it historically on Memorial Day weekend, but we decided that we're going to change it each year to Labor Day weekend. And so um, if you guys, if you haven't already, are cleaning out stuff and you would like to donate that stuff to the yard sale, please let me know. Um, we're running short on places to store this stuff right now. So it would have to be that you'd hang on to it till the first, I think Labor Day is the first weekend in September. Um, but you can always bring it that week. And if you want to help even with setup or running the, the yard sale, every hand that is available and willing to help, we definitely appreciate. What's really cool is that when we do that yard sale, that's basically what funds our entire year. We don't even have to dip into our budget most of the time. And so we're going to be going to a really cool conference this year again. Yay, we get to do conferences. Um, <laughs> and this conference is cool because it's an apologetics conference and it teaches our youth how to defend their faith. And do, boy, do we need to know that, right? Um, so if you have any questions about that, please come find me and we really appreciate all the donations and support. Awesome. Thank you. So lastly, we're just going to receive our tithes and our offerings this morning. And I just wanted to remind us exactly what God said about giving of our tithes and offerings. And it says in Malachi 3.10, says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And I can testify to the testing that I, um, you know, for a while wasn't being faithful in my tithing and giving. And when the Lord really convicted me of that, and I was like, all right, God, I'm, I'm going to be tested or I'm going to test you. And sure enough, I started giving faithfully and I I have more than I need, and I'm so unbelievably blessed. And so I just encourage you guys that not only are you testing God when we give back and do what he asked us to do, but he wants to bless you back. And then we're sowing into the ministries here at the Journey Church. And so we want to see God's word flourish and be preached to the ends of the world. Amen? All right. Well, that's a good prayer right there. So <laughs> let's go ahead and receive our tithes and offerings. Oh, sorry, David. Just as a reminder, because I saw that there are several different ways that you can give. So you can text, which is pretty cool. You can go straight online. You can give here at the church, or you can mail it in. So we're stepping up with the times and providing lots of ways.
sorry. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you to all the people in our church who were a help to me um, when I had to have surgery. I felt really supported by our church, and it meant so much to me. I just can't tell you. For people that gave me rides to and from the hospital and brought me meals and just were a support, checking in on me and everything else, it just I just felt so loved and cared for. So thank you very much. We actually are one of the few buildings in Big Brother that have an AC. Isn't that wonderful? Because it's been warm. Wow. Hey, thanks, Jesse, for extending that a little bit when you looked around and I wasn't there. <laughs> I was having some, some issues getting my notes off. Hey, um, we have... You know, I didn't want to be left out. You drive around and you get behind the cars and they say, you know, Calvary Chapel. And they got these nice stickers. We have our own now. And uh, we, have, we have two sizes. I, I want to get a third size because I said, I think I want something big. And the guy says, well, that's kind of big. And you might want to go a little smaller. And I think you should get this size. And like, this is this size. And I'm like, as far as I know, there is a size between these two, like that, so you can see it. So maybe. Anyways, what these are, these are, these are window stickers. They're not bumper stickers. And this is the type that, that when you put it on, um, which is pretty easy, it kind of peels back. We can show you if you want to do it. You, you peel the first thing in, then you, you put it on the window, you, know, you kind of rub it on the window, and then you peel the plastic off, and all you're left with are the white letters. So you just have the white letters on the on the so and it's it, on the window. So you know if you um, decide you want to go to a different church, you can just scrape it off, <laughs> put, put a different one on. It won't hurt my feelings, I promise. Um, but but they they do come off relatively easy uh, with just a razor knife. You know, so you, it's like bumper stickers. You know they they didn't used to come off easy. I always liked when people put a bumper sticker on their paint. I'm like. Wow, you know, that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> anyway, so um, I bought these for you. You don't have to pay for these, um, cause you, it, it, but only if you're going to put it on your, on, on your vehicle, right? Because they're, they're like three, five, three or five dollars a piece, like three and five or something like that. Um, but we got them. So if you would like one, and this one still works. I mean, it's kind, it's kind, of, I'm, it's kind of small. But some of you don't have a big spot on your window. You've already got like 22 other stickers. And so um, you can have a little journey church sticker. But uh, I'm going to leave these going to be up here. Uh, we can get more uh, very easily. You don't have to buy them in mass. So I'm going to leave these up here. Again, if you, and if you want help putting it on, um, we can do that. Because like, you know, I was like, well, how do you do that? I'd never done it either. So I finally got rid of a couple of my old stickers on my car that were really in bad shape. All right, I think that's it. It's hot. I'm hot. Well, I like to think I'm hot, but I don't know if that's really a shared opinion or not. Um, so we're going to start 
um, a new, it's, it's more than a series. Um, we're going to be going through the book of Mark. And, you know, I, I do book studies, um, you know, from time to time. We don't only go through, uh, do book studies. And, um, so, but, but occasionally I'll just, we'll, we'll go through a book. And it, and it can take, you know, three, four, five months. Uh, I was looking at some of the other people recommended outlines for going through the book of Mark. And I saw one, I think it was 104 lessons in the book of Mark. I'm like, that's a lot. I mean, that's like two years with no break. Um, another one, I think, was 64, which, which that actually, you know, that, I'm like, you know, that seems like a lot, but that's, there's 16 chapters in the book of Mark. That's four lessons out of each chapter. And there's going to be some chapters that really we could do that. So I'm not sure what we're going to do, but we're going to go through the book of Mark. Now, I don't do verse by verse, line by line through the whole thing. Um, there are, there'll be weeks that we'll read maybe the whole, a chapter or half a chapter. Um, but we, I don't just go and talk about every single, uh, verse, uh, usually, um, often what I'll do is we'll, we'll talk about, we'll read the scripture that week and then talk about a, a subject that kind of coincides, um, that's coming right out of Mark and, and kind of do a topical slash, um, you know, a book study. So we're going to, we're going to start there and these are always wonderful, but they're also overwhelming because there's so much. There's so much in the Bible that, that when we slow down the train a little bit and start asking the right questions and start reading it, um, that we can get so much more. So this morning, um, I'm going to kind of do just a little bit of overview, um, talk a little bit about the book, a little bit about the author. And uh, we, I'm not sure how far we're actually going to get today. I'm not planning to get too, too far. Um, I love when my notes get printed backwards and upside down. So the, the gospel, according to Mark, if you have your Bible, go ahead and get it. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab one from the back. We have some Bibles on the back. Um, and, and, and because we want to get comfortable with the Bible, I want you to be, get comfortable with the Bible. I use my phone Bible a lot myself, so it's okay to use a phone Bible. Um, but I do know that when you're reading the Bible, you don't have to do this. I'll know that you're playing Bubble Breaker or something else, so at least turn the volume down. Um, but, you know, and if you have a smartphone and you don't have the Bible on it, get it. Get, it, get a Bible app. Um, because you never, you never leave home without your phone, very rarely. And so, um, so get a Bible app. That way, wherever you're at, you can, you can uh, get the word. Um, I've been encouraged as you're memorizing scriptures, there's some great apps to help you memorize scriptures. You can download some of those too. Let's let technology work with us or for us. Let's pray. God, as we start this study, uh, this look at the gospel according to Mark, we pray that you would bless our time. Father, that you would... Um, not just to increase our knowledge, but Lord, give us understanding of the scriptures. God, give us insight uh, into that which uh, the, uh, the, uh, Mark was trying to tell us. God, that, that which you put on his heart. Lord, I pray that we would, um, we would grow in our Bible reading, that we would uh, get a passion for reading more um, and through our time, that we would grow up into the fullness of all that you want us to grow up into, to the fullness of, the, of Christ Lord, as bless this time, bless our time, bless the study, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So, 
the gospel according to Mark. Um, in your Bible, it, it might say something like the gospel of Mark. Uh, I don't like that in, um, because it's not Mark's gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So all the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does the word gospel mean? Anyone? Good news. Good news. That's what the gospel means. We've, we've heard that, you know, good old gospel preacher. The word gospel simply means good news. This is the good news of Jesus Christ according to Mark. Now, in our, in our Bible, we have, we have four gospels. There are other gospels that were written at the, at the same time as these Gospels were written or, or close to them. And they did not get put into the Bible because there wasn't enough uh, proof or confidence that they were written by the authors that said they written. There's actually a Gospel according to Paul. Paul wrote a Gospel, possibly. But, but the, those who canonized, those who put this Bible together, they weren't sure. They didn't have enough confidence uh, in its accuracy, and that it was a gospel of Paul. So it's not included, but you can actually find excerpts, and you can find that if you go into the museum. So there's a lot of other, other books. So we have four. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, each of them are a little bit different. I, I like the way um, one uh, apologist, he's the guy, he's the forensic scientist, explains it. Um, what, Warren, what's his name? James Warner Wallace. James Warner Wallace, man, you got to check him out. He, is a, uh, he was a detective, um, and now he, he, he got saved, and he, he approaches the gospel in a way that a homicide detective would. He, he studies it's amazing. But he says, you know, um, the gospels could be explained like, well, why are they a little bit different? Well, imagine a car accident happening right down, you know, at Pine Knob, which I've seen. I used to work, I used to manage the Robin Hood in years ago. I, I used to see a lot of car accidents there. And... If depending on what corner you were standing on, you would see something slightly different in the accident. So when we talk about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, part of the thing is, is that these are, are different viewpoints of what they saw happening. It's the same story. Because of that, sometimes people will emphasize one thing more than somebody else. It's not as important to them. That becomes uh, a big part of our personality of, of what might happen. And that's what's going to come out in the Gospels here. Um, between, the difference between Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And so each gospel, um, they're historical books, but none of them give a real true biography. None of the, the four gospels gives a real true biography. They, they point, they t there is some biographical information, but they're uh, history books. And it, just as even last week we talked a little bit about history, uh, and Tom and I had a great conversation afterwards, there is so many books and so much information about stories and, and things that happened in the past um, that, you know, the different viewpoints and things like that. So these are historical. They're not going to have everything that Jesus did. In fact, as the scripture says, if everything was written down that Jesus did and said, there would not be enough books to, you know, in the world. In other words, there's so much more than what we have. But I want us to know that what you have is enough. There's more. There's a lot more that Jesus said that Jesus did. There's a lot more about God than is, than, than is found in the Bible. If God could be contained in, in this little book, everything about him, he wouldn't be very amazing. There's so much more. But this is enough for us to know. He, 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 in his sovereignty, in his will, in his, in his grace, in his mercy, he says, I am going to give them everything they need. 
I can't wait to get to heaven to find out the rest. So much more, so much more. Um, so the book of Mark, how it differs a little bit. What, there's a couple things in the book of Mark. Um, it's the shortest of the Gospels. It's, it's just 16 chapters long. Um, some people call it the, the, the immediate gospel. There's a, the, the word immediately um, appears, I think, 42 times in there as he's writing. Immediately was in the synagogue. Immediately there's an urgency to this gospel. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as we go. We're going to see it, it unfold. But because Mark's uh, desire here was to, for us to see the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, it's more about the work of Christ than his words. The Gospel of Mark is more about the works of Christ, the things that he did, more than just the words that he spoke. Um, and so you're, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of his things uh, that he's doing. He moves from one place to the next. Uh, there's this, this uh, rise from when he's well accepted at the beginning and people are listening to his, his voice and they're, they're excited. And then something changes and they begin to get a little bit, some of the people are like, wait, I don't know how much if I still like Jesus or not. And there's a section in there in the middle where the disciples themselves are questioning themselves, where Jesus is coming and saying, hey, what about you? And so we're going to see this progression in there that goes of his, his really good reception. Um, so who, uh, the, the book of Mark was written by John Mark. Most scholars agree on the big, big points of this. John Mark was not one of the apostles of Jesus. Um, he, was, uh, he was actually got the, most of the information secondhand. Now, John Mark is mentioned a number of times in the, in the scriptures in Acts chapter 12. John Mark is the nephew of Barnabas. Okay, when Paul went on one, uh, one of his earlier missionary journeys, he took Barnabas with him. They took Barnabas' nephew, John Mark, with them, and they traveled for a while. Now, we don't know the details on this. Again, I can't wait to get to heaven to find out. But along the route on that missionary journey with the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, John Mark leaves. He deserts them. And we don't know why. We, we don't know why he left. But later on... Uh, when they're going to go back and visit the places, Barnabas says, hey, let's bring John Mark with us. And Paul's like, no, absolutely not. And it was such a big contention that at that point, Paul and Barnabas split. It's like the first church split. I mean, you know, they, they couldn't agree on John Mark. So Barnabas actually goes and takes John Mark and they do ministry and they travel. And then Paul picks up Silas and they go their separate ways. Now, what's awesome about that first church split is, is it ends up being as, as the church splits that do happen should always be. You know, people leave churches. They start other churches. There's, we have a lot of churches in Big Bear. Most of the churches in Big Bear really started out from like one church back you know, in the early uh, 1900s here in Big Bear. And it was really out of the, what's now the community church. And there was one church up here. And um, there was, they did not want to have it a denominational church at the beginning. They said, we're not going to make this a denominational church. Uh, and so, so they just kept, they, they wanted to be the church for Big Bear. So all believers came. Uh, along the process, one of the pastors, would, a new pastor would come in and the people would be like, hey, we don't want to be a denomination. I know you're a denominational pastor. This church isn't going to be a denomination. It's going to be church. You get some history of Big Bear, I guess. And, and that was good. And then at one point, one of the pastors that came in, if I get the story right, he's like, yeah, no, we're going to go ahead and make it 
we're going to make it a denominational church. And that was when it became, I believe, the Christian Missionary Alliance Church. Well, attending that church happened to be some people who were Pentecostal and coming from other places. They were happy to be attending this non-denominational one church of Big Bear. But when they made a denomination, guess what happened? They said, well, if you're going to do that, we're going to open one too. And thus the beginning of our 25-something churches in Big Bear. Too many. But we fellowship. We love each other. Paul, in the, last, in the end of his life, writes, and it's in Timothy, and he says, bring John Mark. He's been a blessing. He's been useful to me in ministry. Whatever happened was made up. They, 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 you know, I, I don't want to say he got over it. I don't know what happened. I don't know if there was repentance needed or, or anything else, but, but Paul said, no, bring him. He, he's useful to me. And there was a restoration there in ministry. So this is John Mark. Now, John Mark also hung around with Peter, okay? Um, so much that really he, he might have been Peter's spiritual son and that Peter discipled John Mark. Okay, this is something we know about Mark. So here's what most, uh, most uh, scholars believe is that Mark, we'll just, just call him Mark for now, um, Mark got his information most likely from Peter. Peter told him everything. And Mark writes the gospel, writes, writes the gospel. Um, and so he gets the information probably from Peter. Now, his, his mother was Mary. There was a lot of Marys who was not the brother of Jesus just because his mom was Mary. I mean, like, do you know any Hispanics named Maria? Okay. I mean, like, you know, so Mary was a very, very common name. His mother was named Mary, possibly wealthy. We think that actually that uh, some of the prayer meetings that they were having were right in Mark's house. So he was there. Um, he was a, a young boy, uh, a young man, w seeing some of the things of Jesus potentially. We're, we're not positive about that. Another possibility, um, some scholars say yes and some no. I, I haven't landed on this one. I haven't studied out it enough to really land it. And if you know me at all, when there are things, when there's a lot of po potential things, I rarely say this is it. Who am I? To say something like that, so I give you a lot. I give you kind of the uh, the arguments, but um, it's possible that Mark is the one who who fled naked in the garden after the prayer. That that was the young man who fled fled naked. Some people say that could have been Mark himself. Uh, if you remember the story in Jesus and when he gets betrayed in the garden of Gethsemane, there and they come after him with the clubs, and it says that one of the guys ran away and they took his cloak and he's running around naked. That might have been Mark. Hey, so we have the naked gospel writer. I don't know. But um, it's possible he, he firsthand was, was witnessing some of this, though he wasn't one of the main disciples or apostles. But he was a disciple of Peter. Likely, I mean, like strongly likely, he, we know that there was a relationship there and that Peter was the one who gave him all the information in the book of Mark. All right. Do you feel like you're in school? Well, we are. You know, we, we need to be, we need to learn. We need to understand uh, the Bible. What, some of the things that can happen as you, as you read and you look at the Bible like this, you're like, it's a real book about real people from a real place. You know, I don't know if, uh, this used to happen for me a long time ago, and it's still, I have to fight against it. I would read the Old Testament, and I don't know if I really looked at some of the stories in the Old Testament any different than I would reading uh, Lord of the Rings or Hobbit. It was a mystical place that I didn't understand. Was it real? It, you know, it's like, because it was, you, you hear the battles and you go, wow, that's, is it just a story? No, it's not just a story. You know, for the people who live in the Middle East, this is their history book. 
This is their history. And we, we trace that. So when we're reading this, we need to make sure that we're not going, this is oh, the, this, the story of Jesus. Well, it's the history of Jesus, not just some fairy tale. So as we read it, uh, we find that, that it gives uh, backing to our faith. We understand there's a lot of things happening, and, and you, know, tra- you can trace people. You can trace extra-biblical writers who talk about some of the same people in the Bible, and those things are wonderful. So we got the book of Mark. Uh, it's short. It's a brief book, 16 chapters, uh, talking about the acts of Jesus uh, more than his words. The other thing that separates Mark is that... Um, it is, his approach is different from Matthew. Matthew, when he wrote his gospel, he emphasized Christ is the king. And he approaches, uh, approaches it from the Jewish point of view. Christ came to be the king. It's called the kingdom gospel. Luke emphasizes that Christ was the son of man. Matthew and, and Luke both have a genealogy of Jesus. If you re- we're going to read Mark, there's no genealogy in, in the book of Mark, and there's no genealogy in the book of John. John does tie it back to a different, uh, different thing. We'll talk about that next. Uh, so Matthew, the kingdom gospel, uh, Christ is the king. Luke emphasizes that Christ is the son of man, the seed of woman, and goes back to the genealogy going through the seed of, of the woman. So there's, there's a point where, where Mark, he's going a very different, different size. He emphasizes in the book the servanthood of Jesus. Jesus came to be a servant. So why is there no genealogy? Who cares about a servant's genealogy? That's not the point for Mark. So, so when you go to the Christmas story, don't go to Mark. Matthew and Luke. So, so uh, Mark is emphasizing the servanthood of Jesus. And then uh, John, just so we get the four. John, the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. That was John. Christ is God. So, so understanding that as you read your Bible is going to help you as you read and say, why are they talking about that? He's helping us to understand each of these is true. Christ is the king. Christ was the seed of woman. Christ was the suffering servant. And Christ is God. And you put them all together and you have a better picture of who Christ is. He's not just one of them. He's all of them. And so we have four Gospels to talk about that. Um, at the, at the beginning of Mark, um, the very first thing he goes into, he says, the beginning in verse 1, Mark 1, 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then he begins to quote Isaiah the prophet and, and, and also Malachi. Uh, he, he quotes out of Isaiah chapter 40 and Malachi chapter 3 and chapter 4 as he's building this up. And then right after that, he begins to talk about John the Baptist. So the, the beginning of Jesus' ministry is going to come through John the Baptist. And, you know, we know a little bit about John the Baptist. People at home can't necessarily hear this, but what are some things you know about John the Baptist? We've got a small enough group. Throw some things out at me. He ate crickets. He ate crickets. <laughs> he ate crickets, right? Huh? And honey. And honey. Right, locust and honey. Dressed in camel's hair. He baptized people. He was Jesus' cousin. Some people freak don't know that. Lived out in the desert in the wilderness area. He was executed. Yeah, that's an interesting story. He was executed because he stood for righteousness. And, uh, 
and uh, didn't didn't want uh, any somebody sleeping with their with their niece. There's a niece. Anyways, so um, so so we talk about John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist has been referred to by some scholars as the last Old Testament prophet, even though he's in the New Testament. Why? Because he was he came proclaiming that the Messiah would come. Well, that's what the Old Testament prophets talked about. Isaiah 43. Let's go to Isaiah 43. 40, verse 3. And there it is. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. As you can keep your hand there if you want. We may go back in a second. And there it says, and in, in back in Mark, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And then immediately it says, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And he was proclaiming that the Messiah was coming. Now remember, we are talking about a Jewish people who were waiting for the restoration of their country. They were looking for somebody in the line of King David who was their champion king to, to, to rise up again. Somebody in the line of King David who would come and become their king. They were a Jewish people. So for John to be saying, hey, the Messiah is coming, people were like, we want to hear this. They knew of the prophets. They knew of the prophets. Elijah was the, uh, one of the prophets who spoke about the coming of the Messiah. And, and, then, and so the people in John's day, they go up to him and they go, are you Elijah? And he goes, no, I'm not. Interesting that Jesus later says that John the Baptist was Elijah. And we're like, wait, John said he wasn't Elijah. Jesus says he was what? Because Jesus says he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. So he's got this prophetic spirit. And, and John comes and he's proclaiming the Messiah is coming. But then he switches right here. In, in, in the book of John, we see it. He switches to, behold, looking at Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He got to be the last Old Testament prophet saying, he's coming, he's coming. But he got to be the first one who said, he's here. That's John the Baptist. And Mark wants to make sure we understand that part of, of that. Now, um, let, let's give a little bit more groundwork in between. Um, this. So the, the close of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, there was 400 years. They call them the 400 silent years where there was no progressive revelation. There was no prophetic voice being heard. Yes, the, the Jews still existed and they were, they were living and they, you know, they, they had been exiled and they were trying to come back together, but there were no prophetic voices being heard during that 400 years. If we go to the last book of the Old Testament, uh, the first Italian prophet, <laughs> Malachi. In Malachi 3 and 4, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mark this, so... Um, and let's go to 4, verse 5, uh, Malachi. So if you're at Mark, you just go a couple books to your left. Uh, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. 
Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And part of the, part of the fulfilling of that was in John the Baptist. John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah. And so uh, he was not Elijah reincarnated. I saw some eyes like, wait, you know, you're, you know, wait, what? John was Elijah? No, he wasn't reincarnated, but he came in the spirit of Elijah as a proclaiming prophet, as one, one who walked in the power and knowledge of God himself. So, so we had this time in the, the inner testaments where there was, there was no prophetic revelation. The people were waiting. They were waiting for their Messiah. They were under Roman rule, which they, they gave them some freedoms. At least they had some protections, but they couldn't be truly, truly free. Even their own uh, governing ruler, Herod, was, was really a puppet king. Um, he sided more with, too much with Rome. And so they were, had all these issues. So they wanted, they wanted their Messiah. They wanted their king. Now, the average Jew did not expect a heavenly kingdom. They were looking for a very earthly kingdom. They were looking for the king of the Jews who would come and revolt against Rome and take them back. So they were, they were waiting for this Messiah. But he was going to come in power himself. I mean, you know, David, David was an amazing king, and he, he conquered and he fought battles, and so they were looking for that. So here we are. We are now in, in the time um, of, of, you know, the early probably 30-ish A.D., probably a little bit earlier than that. And John the Baptist is, is proclaiming Jesus. Jesus will be around for three years. We're going to see that it's the good news of Jesus Christ and all the things that go along with that. The book of Mark is written probably around the uh, year 64, 65 A.D. Now, some people go as early as like 52. Um, I, I tend to a, a little bit later writing of the book of Mark, um, early 60s, mid 60s. Um, definitely it's before, everyone agrees, it's before the, the collapse uh, in 70 A.D. of Jerusalem. Um, so he's writing this. Now, like I said, this is going to be a, a lot of history before we start getting into the book. So we kind of get this idea of what, where the book is, what's happening. So in this time period, we've, we've read there already in some other passages that the disciples of, of Peter's day, of Paul's day, after Christ, they fully believed that Jesus would return in their lifetime. Okay. They were not looking for a 2,000-year-later return. When Jesus says, I will come back to you, and then, and then the inference that maybe John wouldn't die before Jesus came back, they're like, he's coming back in our lifetime. So that mixed with that the writing was not real, you know, real, 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 real common. There was still living in an era of oral tradition. Everything was oral at the time. They didn't think they needed to write anything down for future generations about this because Jesus was going to come. Makes sense. Why do we need to make a whole bunch of books, gospels? And you could come. So they didn't make them. They, everything at the time up until the, about 55 or 60, almost everything was oral. They would just tell the stories to each other. So Mark was probably telling the gospel, and Matthew was telling the gospel, and, these, and the, the disciples and apostles, they were telling the works of Jesus. Mark was the first one to write it down. So the gospel of Mark is the first of the four gospels. And if you compare it to Luke, 
a good, you know, 150 or more verses um, are almost identical in the book of Mark and Luke. Luke used Mark highly. Um, well, and you go, well, is that right? Really? Can it, are you sure? Why would he copy? Okay. If you go to the book of Luke, or all, you can go there if you want. I'm just going to read it. In his, the book of Luke, verse 1, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those from the beginning who are eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. Remember, Luke wasn't an eyewitness either. He traveled with Paul. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainly a certainty concerning things you have been taught. Luke was just going to get everything he could find and compile them together to help people learn about, especially Theophilus here, of what happened. So yeah, Luke used Mark's gospel. Mark wrote a gospel, and Luke's going, man, he, he was under Peter. I'm going to take some of his stuff. Just right there it is. Part of his, so there's nothing wrong with that. Some, some people say they've used that as a proof that, the, that it's not true. Well, you know, they're just copied from one another. Well... He had, he had a pretty good vantage point there because he walked with Peter who walked with Jesus. So Mark comes and he writes the gospel according to Mark, um, the good news of Jesus Christ according to Mark, and we're going to study these 16 chapters um, over the next multiple months. What's happening at the time? Well, does anyone know who is uh, the, the leader of Rome? in 64 AD. I know there's one person in here who does. Nero. Nero. We've heard about Nero. We don't know much. What do we know about Nero? He played the fiddle. <laughs> right? He was, he was a horrible, he was a, a horrible, uh, he was, yeah, he started out not crazy, he became crazy. He had his mother killed. He had his wives killed. He had all these people. I mean, he was just, he was a horrible man. Now, uh, he got worse as time went on. Um, apparently, some of the people there, they, they liked him because even a couple hundred years later, there were some books written about how good he was. And so he must have done some things that, that the people in Rome liked. Um, the sayings about, about Nero, Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Have you heard that one? Um, now, there was, was no fiddles back then. What was he saying? Well, there was a huge fire in, in Rome, he wasn't even in Rome at the time, he was at another city, and he came back, and, and a ton of Rome was destroyed by this fire. Well, people weren't happy uh, with what he did. Um, some people actually think he started the fire. I don't know, Tom might have some, you know, he'd probably have some great stories in, in, in that, but we don't know positively, but some people maybe said he started the fire. One of the things they said about him, they, they thought, well, yeah, because after a certain area burnt down, he just went right in and he built his golden palace. You know, it's like didn't seem like he cared a whole lot. So this is Nero. So Nero ends up, he doesn't like Christians. Um, here's what was happening to Christians at the time. In gladiators, Roman Colosseums. One of the things, they, they were killing Christians. Not good at this time. Um, by 70 AD, Rome comes in and sacks Jerusalem completely. Now, Nero was already dead at that point. But, but at 70 AD, was, Jerusalem gets destroyed. Um, there's a lot of, uh, of, of hatred towards towards Christians. Um, Nero, I believe it was Nero who would soak Christians in oil 
and tie them to sticks and light them on fire to be lamps in his garden. This was this is a, a sick man. This is history. This is crazy history, isn't it? One another thing that they would do is they would get skins of animals, freshly dead animals, and they would wrap them on Christians. And they would put them in the Colosseum and they would let the dogs come out and tear the wild animals to bits. And that's how they killed Christians and other people too. Nice. Okay? You think, you think we have persecution? <laughs> This is, this is what's happening. And Mark writes the good news of Jesus Christ during this time. So, so part of the thing, and when we're reading this book, when you're reading it on your own, you're going through like, what was happening at the time? Man, it wasn't all like, you know, it wasn't a Pentecostal revi revival of 64 AD. There's a lot of persecution, a lot of issues going on. And in this atmosphere, the Gospels begin to get written. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, proclaiming a future a hope, life, salvation, grace in Jesus. <sighs> okay. Oh. All right. Let's, uh, let's, we're going to start. I got, I got a few minutes. We'll just get in a little bit. Um, We'll hit some of these other, other points and, and bring them back up. So here we go. We got John Mark, the disciple of Peter. We read through verse 3. Let's go to verse 4. So John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Right, Mark? And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So, so this is the, the message of John the Baptist. Now, you know, even in this, there's some, some interesting things. He is doing a baptism um, for repentance from sin. Well, in the temple, they would sacrifice animals for the forgiveness of sins, but he's getting it closer. Listen, you're going to be baptized. Well, the Jews were familiar with baptism in different ways because they would have these, the, the Jewish baths, I think they're mikvahs is what they're called, and you'd you'd get you'd bathe before you go to get ritual ceremony clean, and so they the idea of washing was was understandable to a Jew um, at the time. He said, "But listen, you're going to be baptized for the repentance of sin. This is incredibly important for us right right now." Stop. John's message. Jesus picks it up at the same message. There is no forgiveness of sins without repentance. Repentance is not just saying sorry. Okay? You, 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 know, you get a picture, a, a common picture of a child and, and a parent, or, or better yet, maybe two children. And we had four. We still have four, I guess. <laughs> um, we, we have four kids, and, and our kids have fought over the time. I mean, it's, they, they've all fought. They've, they've argued, and they've hurt each other, and they've done things, 
and, and they were mean to each other. And anyone who's had more than one child has done this. You know, one of them comes up, Matthew hit me. You know, of course, Matthew was the one who always, after he did something mean or wrong or something, he'd be like, Zach, it's okay. Come on, don't say anything. Don't say anything. You know, um, come up, Matthew hit me. So I try, try to get the story. Okay, so what's going on? You know, I always try to, you know, kind of get there, talk to them. And I said, okay, well, you know, Matthew, what do you say? Well, sometimes it went this way. Sometimes it was good, but sometimes it was the typical child apology. Matthew, you need to apologize to Zachary. Sorry. You ever have that one? Let's go a little closer to home. Have you ever given that one? Some of you have given that one to your spouse. Sorry. You know, you know what? All of us adults, we're just kids in big bodies, and we, we, we still act like kids. We do. That's not repentance. That's not even really sorry. But it's not repentance. Let's even give a better one. I'm sorry. Well, that sounds good. But that's not necessarily repentance. Because he might be going, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm, I'm sorry that you're bleeding. I was only hoping to give you a bruise. <laughs> and some of you know that's true, too. Like, oh, you ever done one? Went, ooh, I, I threw that one too hard. Not, not I didn't, I shouldn't have thrown it at all. It's like, oh, I threw it too hard, and so I'm sorry because now you're bleeding. And I didn't want you to bleed. I just wanted you to go, ow. Is that repentance when you go, sorry? No, that's not repentance. Repentance, actually, the word repentance, metanoia in the Greek, it means change of thinking. Noia, knowledge, Gnostic, those are all words. It means change of thinking. When you repent, you don't just stop what you're doing. You actually change the way you think about what you're doing. Oh, my goodness. That, that needs to really hit some of us because some of us have walked away from our sins. Some of you walked away from your sins maybe a long time ago, but you still kind of go, but man, I wish I could do it still. <laughs> I want to tell you, you, you haven't really repented. You have, you, and and I, I don't want to get on you like, you haven't repented, you're going to hell. That's not it. The point is that you haven't understood that God didn't want you to do it, and he wants you to really get to the point of where you change your mind and go, that wasn't good for me. I don't want to go back to that. And I know that sin is fun for a season, and, and you want to go back, but repentance is, is agreeing with God about the state of what happened. And sometimes we go, you know, he, he said it was bad for me. I'm going, to just, I'm going to begin to work to try to agree with him about it. I'm going to change my thinking. We used to teach that repentance was, if you're going this way, you just go this way. That's repentance. That's a part of it, but that's a weak definition. And, and, and I, and I kind of know that because disciplined people can stop doing things. They just stop doing them. You, don't, don't they make you sick? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm talking about the, the, the disciplined person who goes, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. How are you going to do that? I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat that. I'm like, good luck to you. And they stop and they lose 50 pounds. You're like, how did you do that? Because I just stopped eating bread. And it was easy. It hasn't been easy for me, but they're disciplined in a way that I'm not. Did they really repent or did they just stop doing a bad thing? I know people who drink all weekend long. And on Monday, they stop drinking and they work all week 
and then on a Friday they just get drunk for the weekend. You ever met you know, some of those people? They can stop for the whole week. Some people can't. They just stop. They get sober and they work, and then they, on the weekend they, they're drunk again. So did they repent on Monday? Start again on, on Friday night? Or did they just stop doing the bad thing for a time? Repentance is really changing your thinking and your actions. Okay? John preached the gospel of repentance from sin. And Jesus continued that. In the time. You don't want to pass this over. This, I mean, that's, that's enough for the message right there. Confessing your sins. That's, that's, that's part of the repentance. It's part of the process that, that God, that Jesus teaches, that the, the, the apostle Paul teaches to us is that there's, there's power in the confession of the sin. And I, I think I'm just going to hang out there and because and, um, I, I don't have a lot of time to go into the next section. So let's, let's marry those two, repentance and confession. Confession is really, really hard um, for some things. Some things, not so much. Right? You, you, think about your, you think about some stuff you've done. There's probably some things you're like, yeah, I, that's, I, I could confess that. It's, and then there's other things you're like, no, I just want to tell God. And I don't really want to tell God. Um, recently, um, I got an apology from someone. And um, the apology went something very similar to this. Oh, and you know that other thing? Sorry about that. That, that was the apology. You know that other thing? Sorry about that. I knew. Confession's hard. Confession's humbling. It's powerful. The enemy doesn't want you to confess, partly because sometimes the shameful sin that you're hiding has still got power over you because you've kept it in the dark. Sometimes confessing and getting into the light breaks all the power in it. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Confession can be good. It can be powerful. It can also be that humbling moment of, I really messed up. When you say it, when you, when you illiterate, illiterate what you did, I am sorry that I called you that name and that caused you such grief and turmoil. You know, words have power. You know that, that thing, you say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Pfft. Dude, I would rather have a broken arm than some of the things that have been said to me. No problem. Because that arm will heal up in six weeks. There have been things said to me that I still carry, and you too. But when you confess, when I said, and you say that name or whatever, when I called you, that was wrong, and it hurt you. And I'm sorry, and I'm going to work really, really hard to never say that again. That's confession. That's repentance to a person. And we do that with God too. You know that we can hurt God somehow. I don't, I don't quite get this, but go with me. 
when we sin against God, we hurt his heart. Don't give him a, you know, don't, don't give him that thing either. Don't say, you know, God, that, that other thing. Sorry. Be real. Talk to him. Realize that when you did that, he loved you. But you, you hurt him. You hurt his heart. I've been hurt by my kids. And when I was hurt by my kids, I did not stop loving them. But I did get hurt by them. I'm not putting myself in God's place. But I, I, I understand if I've got the capability to get hurt and still love, God is way better than that. But that doesn't mean that his heart is not hurting and broken when you're astray or when you're hurting one of his children. You know, you hurt your spouse and you just apologize to them. You know what? You hurt God because you hurt his princess or his prince. You know, what's amazing about God, if you've ever had something like this in, in, in your life, you, you're a blessed person. God can love both parties the same. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes a parent might favor one or the other. You know, but parents are come closest to like, you know what, I love my kids. The, the amount of love I have for them is the same. I love them differently because of their personalities. The closest we get. But God really, truly loves you and your spouse the same. So when you hurt your spouse, God's hurt for that but still loves you and wants you to get healing and wants her. But boy, it breaks his heart. This wasn't my plan to talk about that, go that deep in this, but repentance and confession. I think this week, I will encourage you and me, encourage myself to find these places. Hey, do I still need to repent for some things? Or maybe you did, but you went, but I didn't confess it. And it's time to now go and confess it. Now, you need wisdom. You know, if there's something in your life that's really, really big, um, uh, you might want to talk to a spiritual leader before you confess it to certain people. Okay? There, there, is, a, there is a time and place. Um, I'm going to give a quick example. We, uh, Shannon and I had a friend years ago whose husband was dying. He was on, like dying that night. He was on his way out. He called her up and he says, I just want to tell you that I cheated on you. And then he died. Okay. I think she would be better off to not know it. She did. She says, I just wish you would have never told me. He was going to deal with it still. You've you got to have wisdom. So you, I'm not saying just confess everything to everybody, you know, and some people aren't safe to confess to, you know. Not everyone's safe. It's like the three pastors out in the boat. They're getting out there, like, and they're just talking to each other, and like, I don't have anyone I can talk to because I'm a pastor. And, it says, and, and they're kind of, yeah, and they said, and one of them goes, I, I, I need to trust you guys. He goes, I have a gambling problem. He says, I'm, I, I'm, I'm spending thousands of dollars in gambling. And the, and the guy's, man, that's, I'm really sorry about that. And the other pastor goes, well, since we're confessing, he says, I pilfer the, 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 the tithes and offerings. I just, I take money sometimes. And it's like, wow, man, we'll pray for you. And the other guy goes, the other pastor goes, man, guys, I have a problem with gossip. I can't wait to get back to shore. You got, you got to be safe in your confession. But I want, to, want you to pray, Lord, is there something I need to confess? And deal with it. Is there something I need to repent from? 
Let's, 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 as we start the book, isn't that a great place to start? This is the good news of Jesus because what's going to happen? Freedom, deliverance, forgiveness. Those are all wonderful places. All wonderful places. So let's, let's pray, as, pray and, and ask God to help us in that. Fathers, we start our journey through the gospel according to Mark, the good news of Jesus Christ. Pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, our spirit to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us right here at the Journey Church. God, I pray that you would help us to be a people who start off with this idea of we want to be a people who repent, who confess, and who move on and move forward, who receive forgiveness, but deal with our sins. God, if there is things in our life uh, that, that have not been dealt with, anyone in this room, Lord, I pray that you would gently, lovingly help them to, to confess and repent and move on from that sin. Even if they're not doing it anymore, God, if there's something that's holding them back and tying them, Lord, I pray that you would just do a miracle this week. Do a work in all of us, God, that we might step into freedom, step into better relationship maybe with the person that we hurt, uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys all. Have an amazing week. Don't forget your stickers.